Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pursuit of Service podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeff Wright. And today, Brian and I will be talking about something that's so critical and so applicable, and that's how to properly structure communication with your team. Now, this usually happens in the form of meetings. So we're going to talk about how to run an effective meeting, but the implications and the applications run so much deeper as a leader. So get your notebook or whatever you take notes with, because you're going to want to keep these steps to run an effective meeting because it will make you a better leader. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Service podcast. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Very well. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, it's an incredibly important conversation. But uh, hey, before we get to it, I have to ask you a question. How, how was Thanksgiving? Oh, it was wonderful. Um, great week of, of relaxing family time. Um, we drove out to Texas, actually, to visit my family, um, it, which was phenomenal. And uh, it was just a, a great and blessed time all around. How about you? Oh, it was great. It was great. I appreciate you asking. You know, I saw your Instagram uh, and your Facebook photos from the star in Texas. Yeah. So that's kind of on my bucket list to go there. So I'd, I'd love just to have a conversation with you sometime about leadership lessons from the star. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, my family is, is uh, big Cowboys fans. And, and of course, I'm a, a University of Texas Longhorns fan. So, you know, being able to go down there and, and take part in some fun football type playing with the kiddos is a good time. Well, that is good. So, but yeah, we get to have a, a conversation today about really kind of a misunderstood topic in leadership. But really, one of the most important things as leaders we do, and that is how to have a great meeting and how to lead a great meeting. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, and I think it's so critical and it's so deep. There's so much to this. And and this started because at the end of our last episode, uh, when we were talking about things that we were learning, you mentioned a discussion map. And then if you remember, after we stopped recording the episode, we, we got into a thorough discussion about this topic. And it's just so critical and tremendous because as leaders, one of our, our primary jobs or responsibilities is to define reality, provide uh, direction, provide motivation, provide feedback. And practically speaking, that doesn't happen from a stage or from a pedestal or from a speech that happens in meetings. And communication is so critical for leadership. Um, and that's the primary medium that it occurs is in meetings. And that's why it's so important to everyone. So I'm excited to get into this because it's so applicable to anybody and any leader. Um, so kick us off, Brian. What, what are your steps to running a good and effective meeting? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think when you're a leader, the first thing you have to establish is what I call you must have a regular meeting rhythm. So I'm just going to give you give you my my meeting rhythm with my team. So uh, we we have an inside sales team that I had the have the privilege of leading, and the first Friday of every month. We, we remind everybody and set our goals and objectives for that month. Here's what we're here to accomplish. Here's what we want to accomplish. 
if we give everything we've got and God blesses it, this is what we think we can do. And here's the systems and practices we're putting in place over the course of the, of the next month to hopefully see these objectives become reality. Then on the second Friday, or excuse me, the third Friday of every month, so let's just think one on the first, one on the 15th, just as a, you know, the dates sometimes work out that easily and sometimes the 14 day math is different. But the middle of the month is just progress. How are we doing? Are we on pace? And what do we need to do to finish the month strong and hit our objectives? And of course, obviously we're having sidebar meetings, you know, the rest of the time and, and things of that nature. But we really establish that these meetings exist and here's what these meetings are there to accomplish. And for the listeners in their organization, they may have a first of the month uh, recap. Hey, we just I just want to give everybody an update from the president's desk or something of that nature. But there has to be an established meeting rhythm that we're here to accomplish these things on these dates. And it's a primary communicative tool as a leader that we're going to use to, to impart on our team. And I tell you this, Jeff, over the last year and a half, and I wish it would have happened sooner, I've really done a whole 180 on meetings. You know, I, I'm, I, I was the classic, I didn't like meetings. Most, and, and I think the reason I didn't like meetings is most meetings I was in never accomplished anything. Right. So you could accomplish more outside the meeting than you could in the meeting. But as a leader, a meeting is arguably one of the two or three most important things you'll do. This is the team you recruited. This is the team you're investing in. This is the area of responsibility you have in your area of discipline. And this is where you cast mission and vision or cast vision about how we're going to advance the mission and vision of the organization. And so meetings from a leadership perspective, they actually define your leadership. This is how we lead. This is what we talk about. This is what we value. And this is how we're going to get there. And you align all your people and resources to make that a reality. So number one, you must have a regular meeting rhythm. Yeah, that's so fundamental as well, because with the leadership influence of setting that rhythm, it automatically establishes it as a priority and it sets the expectations that these are, are going to occur. So plan for them and be prepared for them. Um, which is which is really important. And, you know, a lot of people don't like meetings because they feel ineffective or they feel distracting or they feel like a waste of time. Um, and the reason for that is because whoever's running the meeting is not effectively leading to and through it. And and I will just always go back to meetings being important because that's when the face-to-face -face interaction happens. That's where the communication happens. And I would argue that if you're leading through email only, then you're probably not as effective as you could be. Oh, I think you're 100% correct on that. All right, so now we'll go to number two. The meeting before the meeting with key stakeholders. This is what John Maxwell calls the meeting before the meeting. So I'm going to give a practical example here. So Jeff, I'm going to go into your world a little bit. You're an elder where we go to church. And so let's say that our pastor, Ike Reichert, wants to do, uh, and I'll pick an extreme example, 
uh, he wants to release a staff member. A staff member's not performing up to par. He wants to make the hard decision and he's running this decision through his elder board, okay? What Ike needs to do in a situation like that is have the meeting before the meeting. And that is the two or three primary stakeholders on that particular initiative. He needs to meet with them before the meeting and say, hey, look, I just wanna let you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. How do you feel about it? Am I missing anything? Am I looking at this incorrectly? What are your thoughts? Because what you want to do is get the key stakeholders on, on the side of what you're trying to accomplish before the meeting happens. The thing you want in meetings is no surprises, mm. okay, as the leader. And so what's going to happen is the people who are most affected by that, people are, people are down on what they're not up on. If you spring this on them in the meeting, they will not be for it. But if you give them time to speak into the process, be part of the process, process the decision, and then make them a champion to help you implement it, that's what you want to do. And here's the thing. If the meeting before the meeting does not go well, you don't have the meeting. Yeah. So the meeting before the meeting protects the leader it, it helps advance the initiative at a much more rapid rate. And when the leaders are on board, the people will follow. So the job of the leader is to not only establish a regular meeting rhythm, but depending on the initiative, have the meeting before the meeting with the key stakeholders. Yeah, and, and getting buy-in around anything is, is so important as a leader because you, you can't do everything on your own. You, if you're leading nobody, then you're not leading. Um, and and the best way to get buy-in buy is to allow the team around you uh, to have input. So empowering them with input uh, is accomplished by this because you're meeting with those people that are going to provide influence to the collective meeting and getting their buy-in, getting their input, um, which will, as you said, put, you know, put everybody on your side as the leader going into the bigger meeting where you're going to lay out the course of action and, and seek buy-in from the collective group. Yeah. And the biggest compliment you can ever give anybody is to say, I, I'd like your opinion on this. What do you think? Yep. That is the biggest compliment you can give anybody. So, so that's the, that's the second thing is the meeting before the meeting. Now, the third thing you want to do is send an agenda ahead of time to the attendees. Okay. And you want to do this for several reasons. Number one, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. So this is one of these just a little extra type of things. What you want to do, you want to send it ahead of time and say, here's why we're meeting. Here's what we're hoping to accomplish. Here's what we're going to be discussing. Here's when we're going to be done by. Um, because what that does is allow everybody to prepare, everybody to frame their thinking. It eliminates what I would call outward processing in the meeting, and it really streamlines the effectiveness of the meeting and really gives the meeting a chance for things to not get off track and to accomplish what the meeting is there to accomplish. 
Do you think it's it's effective to include additional materials as well? Like if there are things to review or if there are, you know, more uh, substantial documents to go over or things like that, or does that just overwhelm and inundate defeat the purpose? No. See, here's the thing that I think about meetings. You, you should have a higher level of expectation for leaders and leaders want to live up to that standard. So yes, the more, if you're going to be discussing uh, a budget, okay. All right. Let me send you an executive summary of our budget and where it stands now and what we think the holes may be and where our strengths are. Okay. So if you just do it from an executive summary type of thing, um, but, but no, I would, I would not be the governor on information. I would say this, keep it to the three most important things they need to know. Good. Okay. All right. So now we move to number four, invite the right people. So let's, let's say that um, I'm having a, a conversation about our marketing plan. Okay. I may or may not invite the finance department in. I may only invite the CFO who's able to sign off on whatever the budget is. A mistake everybody, and I see this a lot of times in churches because churches is who I primarily work with. Uh, not everyone needs to be invited to every meeting. Only the people that are directly related to that particular item which you're discussing. Because see, here's what, here's what happens. Uh, churches and businesses operate completely differently. A business is focused on transaction. We're here to buy and sell goods. What's our profit margin looking like? You know, things, things like that. A church is not primarily focused on transaction unless things are bad. A church is focused on transformation. So a business will determine success by saying, okay, do we have a plan to become more profitable, increase shareholder value, expand our footprint in the marketplace, et cetera, et cetera. A church will say, hey, did everybody get along and are we in unity as we leave? And they operate completely differently. So the church has a tendency then because they focus on unity to invite a lot of people because they don't want somebody left out. And a general rule in decision-making is the more people involved in a decision, the less likely a decision is to be made. We can look at Congress as an example of that, okay? Now, when you invite the right people, people related just to the topic, everyone's in the room for a specific reason. Make sure as the leader, you're including everybody in the conversation. They were invited for a reason, they have value to bring to the discussion, and it's your job as a leader to drag that out of them or pull that out of them so that we get all the information we need so that we can collectively make the best decision for the organization. That's so huge. Uh, some, of, some of the things that you're talking about in terms of running an effective meeting are organizational or focused towards efficiency, but some of them are just pure and simple leadership and communication. And, and this is that first one that really speaks to that getting the right people in the room. Yeah, it may be efficient, but it's really about being effective and making sure the communication occurs between the right people. And the feedback is 
uh, received from the right people as well. Yeah. And sometimes let's say you want to invite somebody who has no knowledge of whatever you're discussing. Here's what you want to do with that person. You want to have the meeting before the meeting. Hey, look, we're going to be discussing this. I know you have no knowledge of this and you know, you don't know how it might impact you, but I'm inviting you into this room because I want to develop you as a leader. And I want to get your thoughts on how this meeting played out. What was the temperature in the room? Does it reflect our culture? Were the right people there? Who impressed you the most? Who didn't? I want to invite you in to do nothing but listen and learn. And then I want to follow up afterwards and tell me what you learned. Yeah. So and that that answers the question that every everybody that comes to the meeting should, you know, you should ask the question as a leader of each of them is why are they invited? And there should be a specific reason. And if it's not clear, it needs to be communicated beforehand, which is exactly the scenario you just described. Absolutely. So we've walked through the first four steps and everything we've talked about now is actually leading up to the meeting. So as you see, there's a lot of pre-meeting work that has to go into making the meeting a success, a success. But now, you know, at point number five, we're actually in the meeting. Okay. And so point number five is start on time. Okay. Um, here's, here's the thing for me. The most valuable asset a person has is, is their time because it's irreplaceable. Yeah. Once it's gone, it, can, it cannot be retrieved. And I'll always go back to the story. I've got a couple of stories related to being on time, but I'll just hit this one. Chuck Daly has been uh, selected to coach the 1992 U.S. Olympic Dream Team. Okay. And he's sitting there and he's like, okay, I got Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, you can go down the list. And he goes, how, how do you lead these men? Okay, these are the alpha males of the alpha males. And so he gets them in and they're in a V-shaped, uh, the tables are laid out in a U-shape, not a V-shape, a U-shape. And he goes, gentlemen, I only have one rule. Just be on time. Be on time to meetings, be on time to practice, be on time to when the bus leaves. Because when you're not on time, you are communicating your time is more important than somebody else's. And then he starts going around the room. Magic, do you think your time's more valuable than Larry's? Larry, do you think your time's more valuable than Patrick? Patrick, do you think your time's more valuable than Michael's? And he just went around the room. And promptness and tardiness, those were not issues at all in the meeting. So when somebody's late for a meeting, they are communicating their time is more important than your time. All of you wait on me till I get there and then we'll begin. Uh, so number five, a simple one, but an important one, start on time. Yeah. And someone might say, well, what if someone's running late and you, you know, what kind of wait for them to start five minutes later, which I think is common now. Well, I would say that starting on time early and um, consistently will remove the ongoing problem with people being two, three, four, five minutes late. Absolutely. Abs absolutely. I could not agree a hundred percent more. And I hate to say this, and this is where I'm, you know, you can call me legalistic or hardcore or something like that. 
But if the meeting says three o'clock, that means three o'clock. Yeah. If it had meant 3.05, it had said 3.05. And for me, what I advise my teams and other teams is if you want to have social time and you got a three o'clock meeting, just get there at 2.50. Yeah. You know, you can have the social time, just have it on the front end. So anyway, I'm kind of kind of a stickler for that. But, uh, but yeah, start on time. Well, it uh, sets the tone for the meeting, um, which leads into your next one here. Yeah. Number six, stay on track. You know, uh, don't chase rabbits. Don't get off on, on tangents. Um, you know, stay on track. You got them. You got the agenda ahead of time and now let's work the agenda. Now, another thing important to me is staying on track. We, we brought up what's called the discussion map in our last episode. And if you've not listened to that episode, I highly recommend you go back. But a discussion map basically tracks, I'm going to oversimplify it. It basically tracks the conversation flows throughout a meeting. Who's talking? Who's talking to who? How often do they talk? Do they ask questions or not? You know, who's left out? Who talks too much? What role does the leader play, et cetera, et cetera? Once again, if, and I actually did this at our family gathering on Thanksgiving. I showed up and did a discussion map of our family. And I noticed that my great aunt and great uncle were not being spoken to at all. And nobody was being rude. The conversation was just not going in that direction. And so I'm not the leader. That would be my father-in-law and mother-in-law. But I said, well, Pat, let me ask you a question. What Bible study are you taking right now? And I never would have thought to do that if I wasn't doing the discussion map. And I also looked at my daughter, Anna, who's, who's, the, who's the youngest. So, you know, in a family, the, the youngest don't get to speak much. And I'm like, well, Anna, tell Pat and Dean, um, you know, what you're doing at your job at North Metro. And so the discussion map, as a leader was a tool and a resource to allow me to engage in the, in essence, the whole team in a way that was valuable. So stay on track, but make sure you include everyone because their value, their input is valuable. That's good. And that's why they were invited to begin. Exactly. With. Okay. Number seven, uh, this kind of flows off number six a little bit, but make decisions only on the agenda items. Now, as a leader, this will protect you, and you need to establish this as part of your meeting rhythm, that when a new idea is introduced, that is only an introductory item or a study item for the next meeting, and we can make a, de a decision on it in the next meeting, but we are here today to discuss this topic and address this issue. Uh, this prevents the the rogue person or the person with an agenda or the left field question or anything like that from ambushing and hijacking the meeting. Uh, so we've all been in meetings where somebody just sits there silently and says, hey, I'd like to ask a question and they throw the grenade on the table. Yep. This prevents the grenade being thrown on the table. So just have the discipline and the culture and the meeting rhythm that we're only gonna make decisions on agenda items. New items will become study items that we can make a, a decisions on at the next meeting. 
Yeah, that's important. If if a leader's primary role is to identify an outcome and a mission organizationally, then part of that includes accomplishing a series of objectives and tasks. Um, and each meeting should have that defined outcome. And this is how you accomplish that outcome. Absolutely. And uh, number eight, which this actually wraps up the meeting. We're going to have some post-meeting items coming up. But number eight, end on time. Um, once again, I'm assuming that you've surrounded yourself with very talented individuals and you've hired talented individuals and you're equipping them and you're investing in them. They are very busy and they have a lot going on. So just as you wanted to honor their time, wanted them to honor your time on the front end, you honor their time on the back end because they've got a lot to do and they've got a lot going on and we need to be there, accomplish what we're there to accomplish and then release them to go out and do the jobs that we've hired them to do and equip them to do and vision casted for them to do as well. So not only do you start on time, you end on time as well. Yeah, that's, that's really important. What are some things that a leader can do ahead of the meeting uh, to, to properly plan the amount of time? And this is to avoid the, the common problem of meetings running over because maybe the discussions went longer, even if they stayed on track and all those other things, you know, if it can go, if it can go a little bit longer than planned, how do we plan ahead for that so that there's enough time uh, to get there no matter what? Yeah, several thoughts on that. Number one, you're, you'll have experience as a leader that if we talk about this, this is how long it's going to take. You know, so you'll you'll know that the size and scope of the issue you're addressing will will make the time expand or contract. Okay, so number one, you're going to have experience as a leader. Number two, when you have your meetings before the meetings, your leaders will speak into that very same topic. And you'll go, oh, okay, this is going to go through very quickly, or oh, this is going to be a challenge, or something of that nature. Your meetings before the meetings uh, will will address that. And here's another thing I would say: if you're the leader of the meeting, and you have a full day, um, number one, put that in in your uh, advanced agenda to the team, so that they'll know. And number uh, and another one's have your assistant at the meeting. And you can do a thing as a leader and, and just look over and go, uh, Sonia, uh, how long can I stay here before we got to go to our next meeting? Well, your next meeting's at four, so we need to be out of here at 345. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So th those are some things you, you can do. Uh, but really, the number one thing is the meeting before the meeting and the experience, understanding the gravity of the topic and how long that could take. Good. Okay, so now we're after the meeting. Two quick tips on after the meeting. So you think you're done as the leader, okay? Everybody nodded, everybody seemed in agreement, everybody left on time. You're patting yourself on the back as you go to your next, you know, appointment. Uh, you're not done yet. You actually got two more things you need to do. Uh, number nine, and usually this can be done by the person who takes the minutes. Send a recap email. Just put in there, hey team, it was great meeting with you this time. We got a lot accomplished. Everybody came prepared. 
uh, provided significant input that made us better. Here's the three things we came came out of that meeting with and the three action steps we want us to do before the next meeting. That provides ownership, that provides a level of accountability because did you carry those out? Was the task and assignments who were assigned to people, were those carried out? And it's just a way, look, let's be honest, people's minds wander. They may hear something that they heard it differently than it was said. A recap email just provides clarity, accountability, and next steps as you as an organization move forward and, and you begin to carry out whatever decisions were made in that meeting. Yeah, it's tremendous. W- one of the most important things about leadership, like we said before, is communication. And this starts that confirmation of communication feedback. Yeah, definitely. And finally, number 10, um, post meeting coaching and accountability. Um, here's what happens. We're not finished products as human beings. We're not going to be that till we get to heaven. Okay. So when we're in meetings, things may happen that need some coaching and accountability. And it's totally appropriate for somebody to come up. Let's say they come up to me, okay, that I was passionate about a topic and I just, my passion, I went overboard. That's that Jeff, you would, you would call me up or you'd come sit in my office or, or something of that nature. And you'd say, Hey, Brian, look, I know you didn't mean to come across this way, but you really, you know, kind of offended some people or some people took some things the wrong way because of of some things you said and did. And hey, I know this isn't, you know, your shining moment and something you want to talk about at your anniversary party. Um, But I just wanted to bring it to your attention. So that way you could just maybe it's a blind spot and you could just work on it as we head into the next meeting. Or, hey, Brian, you know, you were invited into the meeting because I love your thoughts on this topic and you just didn't bring your best energy to the meeting or you wasn't as prepared as you normally are. And, and man, I really needed you. And I just wondered, you know, when we have our next meeting, if you can just kind of shore that up and help us out because we're all better when you're at your best. You know, just some, just some sidebar post-meeting coaching And look, if somebody did something that was just gratuitous, unfortunately, you've got to be much more direct than what I just outlaid. Uh, But but post-meeting coaching is what really develops an executive team and really develops people and makes them better leaders as you move into the future. Yeah, and this is probably my favorite one uh, because it has such importance to it. And after all, leadership is very, very relational. Leadership is personal. Management is impersonal. Leadership is personal. And that's where this comes in. This is where the relationships are built. And this is where the mentoring comes into play and these opportunities to really understand what what makes someone tick, to really understand what someone is thinking, what they're afraid of. All the things we've talked about, I think we talked about in the philosophy uh, episode, but really understanding these things. And that happens in these opportunities to coach after the fact. And and how can anybody improve if they're not 
coached um, towards what needs to improve and we all strive to get better. Um, and part of coaching is rewarding and the old attaboy and encouragement and that which get, it gets encouraged or rewarded gets repeated. Uh, so for those reasons, this is, this is probably my favorite one of the, what you've listed. Well, you know, it's funny, Jeff, I've outlined these 10 things and I'll just, I'll just be real candid to the listening audience. I've messed up on all 10 of them. You know, this, this, this is, this is a lesson and these are steps that were learned the hard way. You know, I, I wish I could read these in a book and say, hey, let me tell you what Patrick Lencioni, his 10 steps to a good meeting are, and me basically just recite them. Yeah. Uh, I learned all 10 of these the hard way. So this is 30 years of running meetings. And, uh, and so, so, yeah, hopefully some of the listeners uh, can learn from my mistakes and not make the same mistakes I did and, and, and just be better leaders than I was coming up. Yeah, well, I think we've all been in, in meetings that were boring or distracting or we didn't need to be in or that felt like a waste of time. But uh, for everybody listening, take these points and make yourself a better leader with the interactions that you have with the team around you. Yeah, very good. So, so Jeff, we, we've, uh, we've kind of broke the fire hose out on the listeners here with these 10 points. Let's, let's wrap it up with our what are we learning segment. And uh, so I've done most of the talk and let's turn it over to you. What, what, what have you been learning since our last episode? Yeah, sure. So we, we've discussed uh, masterclass in, in the past um, and I went through uh, Howard Schultz did one. So former CEO of Starbucks, um, very well-known and successful business person, um, you know, being a CEO of a large corporation like that and, and brought them from a one shop uh, coffee shop in Seattle to the global behemoth that they are. And, and actually when he left, uh, the company started to go down a little bit. So he had to come back and turn it back around. So that's just a little bit of his acumen. But one of the lessons he talked about, and, and I mentioned this today because it sort of relates, he talked about when you're giving feedback or when you're in a meeting with somebody to kind of ask them about themselves first. Mm -hmm. You know, how's the family, things like that. And this got me really thinking because this goes to the service part of leadership. This speaks to how you can actually serve others as a leader and how that can benefit you as a leader when you're trying to serve them. And here's what I mean. Um, I, I think it's ineffective and people can see through when you say something like, you know, oh, how's your family? Okay, great. Well, let's get to the point. You know, okay. It's not banter. It's not small talk. It needs to be sincere. Um, and frankly, if you're communicating anything, whether it's critical feedback, positive feedback, discussing a decision. It's really important that you understand the context of that conversation in someone's mind and in their life. So if they're going through something really heavy, whether it's at home or a, another arm of the business or with another professional relationship, if those things are happening and you have no idea, then it's going to be much more difficult to properly communicate and discuss and learn and grow together. So this concept of, you know, hey, Brian, how are you doing? It, it's not shallow. It's not fake. And it's not um, feigned. It, it should be sincere. And then ultimately, as a leader, once you understand the context of someone's perspective, that allows you to adhere to that, to serve them which will lead to the success of the organization or whatever you're trying to accomplish at that time. Yeah, Jeff, that's just pure gold. I, uh, 
you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this in, a, in some previous things you and I have done together, but how has COVID changed meetings? And it used to be that, cause I can, I can kind of get, you know, about the job, you know, task oriented. But at the end, I really cared about the people on my team. So at the end, I, okay, we got our work done. Let's lean back a little bit. How are you doing? Tell me what's going on. With COVID and the rise of anxiety and mental illness, leaders need to flip that 180 degrees. Mm. You need to do that first, as you just said. And it's, yeah. not, it's not light banter. It's not trying to make somebody feel good. Uh, hopefully, yeah, you do get some light banner and hopefully some people do feel good. But as the leader in the world that we now live in and the context of, of a global pandemic, you need to strategically, you need to be strategic about engagement. Yeah. And that's what you just said. And that is pure gold. So what are you learning? Yeah. So I'm reading a book right now called Invent and Wonder, the collective writings of Jeff Bezos. And it's just a book. It's a compilation of his annual shareholder meeting letters. Talk about a meeting rhythm. He, he, his annual letters are, were so good. They've now comprised a book. Hmm. And he also had additional leadership teachings in there as well. And here's what I learned about him. Jeff Bezos gets eight hours of sleep every night. Hmm. So a lot of times you as a leader may go, oh, I'm just really busy. Well, you're not busier than Jeff Bezos. Right. Okay? Yeah. All right. So he gets eight hours of sleep every night and, and he's strategic about it. There's scientific data that proves, you know, from cognitive functions, from energy, from things like that, you operate better on eight hours worth of sleep. So Jeff builds in eight hours of sleep and he only makes a few decisions as the leader. All the other decisions, that's what he's got people hired for, but there's some decisions that only come to him. And so what, and Jeff says, I try to make only three decisions a day. You know, everybody, you know, can I have a day off? Well, somebody else can make that decision, yeah. you know. Uh, he only wants to make three decisions a day. And the ones that require the most intellectual capacity, he doesn't schedule it till 10 a.m with his eight hours of sleep and spending time with his children, he has determined his peak mental capacity is at 10 a.m. So he builds in that decision at 10 a.m. That's great. I love that. Such self-awareness too, to, to yeah. be healthy, but really be intentional about what's the most effective use of time. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jeff, I think we've wrapped up another another lesson of the Pursuit of Service podcast. Yep. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. All right.